Welcome into episode number three of the Grind on Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Ben Metz, and uh, we're we're going to talk a little bit more about sports here today. Got some basketballs on the on the docket. I uh, got a little bit about National Signing Day. Again, we're recording uh, basically midday on Wednesday, so got a lot of updates, but uh, maybe not the final tally uh, here in 2023. But again, follow us on social media, and we'll we'll kind of keep you there. But then bowl pickums. Uh, we've got another week to pick uh, right up until the new year. We're going to pick through the 28th because hopefully we will run uh, one last show for the 2022 calendar year uh, next week. But, uh, Ben, how you doing, man? Looks like you've added uh, to your background, and, and that's always cool when you, you got new swag up there. Yeah, I've got some pretty, uh, pretty cool memorabilia behind me that means a lot to me. So I've got the Tennessee ball football helmet, love the balls. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't can't go can't have a can't have a game room unless you got a Tennessee ball football helmet. Um, I played baseball uh, um, throughout many levels, so I've got a baseball bat up there, and then go Red Rebels. <laughs> I always go Rebels, but uh, but Ben, uh, a lot to talk about, and and again, we're trying to tailor this this broadcast to more of a thirty minute podcast, and so we'll we'll jump right into it. Tennessee basketball uh, again went went out to Tucson, Arizona, uh, take on the Wildcats in in like a battle in the desert kind of a uh, uh, little promo, if you will. Played a hot Arizona team, the number one scoring offense in the country, taking on the number one scoring defense in the country, and uh, and Ben, uh, we talked about it off air, and we'll we'll kind of unfold it here. I don't know that they played good enough to win. I don't know that Tennessee did what they needed to do to get that victory, but the the conversation uh, amongst fans and amongst the sports world post that game was not about the execution on the court. It was the whistles on the court. Yeah, I believe it was an aggressive game on both sides of the court. Uh, it should have resulted in an equal number of fouls. Um, you know, when you look at the numbers, Wayne, uh, from the field for Tennessee to their 42.6. We beat them behind the arc from three-point land, 29.6 to their 20.8. Rebounding was equal with a slight edge to the Wildcats. Turnovers was down for us, 12 to their 15. So, yeah, the difference, you you do 24 fouls um, to their 15, it results in 24 points out of 27 attempts from the charity stripe. And the discussion at the water cooler on Mondays about the officiating. Well, you know, it was a five-point game. Uh, I think anytime there's that discrepancy in 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 fouls, you can really you can draw that that uh, that conclusion, right? You you can question uh, their calls. But uh, another piece that uh, I think was talked about uh, during the the post game with Rick Barnes, but also uh, throughout the week. Uh, there was a technical foul early in that game on Eurosh that, uh, I mean, that's two points that if, if at the end of the game you don't have to foul to try to get it closer, those are things you've got to clean up. To me, don't get me wrong, I, I think you, you, have to, uh, you have to push on the officials to be better uh, because I think if you look at that crew, I think there was two Pac-12 officials, one Big Ten guy, and then a Mountain West or something. If yeah. the crew was, was loaded – 
to the Pac-12 uh, favor, if you will. They've seen that team more than they've seen us. And and so, to me, I think that's always going to be an uphill battle for the team on the on the less identified side, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the things we can control is our tempers, our ability to to play within the culture that Rick Barnes has put out there. And Euros Plovsic, don't get me wrong, he's a he's fun. He's a, he's probably the biggest cheerleader on the sideline. But when he starts costing your team points, uh, there has to there has to be a change. Rick Barnes addressed it. Said, "I'm tired of his antics." Uh, he said, "I'm I'm I'm done with it." Uh, he's got to learn to. He's a good kid but he's got to learn to play within himself and do the right things. And, and I don't, I guess my, my thing is, is I don't, I don't fault him because I always want you to play with passion, but there is a fine line when passion starts negatively impacting your, your ball club that you have to address it. And right now I think Rick Barnes is having to go through that. They're going to play Austin P tonight. I wouldn't be shocked if Eurosh doesn't play limited minutes tonight. I could see Rick Barnes really saying, listen, we can win without you. Yeah, that's his style, right? And and really, you know, uh, Kim Kemwa's been playing uh, pretty good basketball over this past stretch. Uh, so seven points against Kansas, eight points against Maryland, uh, had 16 points against Arizona, and he's playing roughly about you know the same amount of minutes, about 25 or 30 minutes. Uh, so look for him to have an uptick in minutes, and hopefully he can continue to shoot the ball well. Well, and I, th- I think you look, this is the last uh, chance that you can really discipline your Roche uh, without it having really negative impact. We play Ole Miss next week uh, to open conference play. You're going to need him. You're going to need those minutes. If, even if it's not his scoring ability, you're going to need his defense, his length, uh, to be able to guard the rim. Again, Kermit Davis is going to play an aggressive brand of basketball. But uh, I, I don't think all is lost out in Tucson. You know, I'm a big early season adversity guy when it's not college football. Uh, I think uh, if it's if it's college football, you just have to be perfect. I mean, really, that's the game that we play now. But uh, in the college basketball realm, if, if you can – if you can look up and, and have a few early season losses, as long as you keep them close, which I feel like we did against Arizona, if Arizona continues to be the offensive juggernaut that they've been, that's going to be a quality loss. That's going to be a top loss there. Uh, we've got the Kansas one in our pocket. Uh, bracketology this week has shown that uh, we could possibly be the three seed in one of the brackets with Kansas and Arizona, the one and two. So I I think there's some uh, there's still a lot of meat left on the bone to get better. I think we're going to have to in a hurry because, like I said, we don't we don't run and hide to start conference play. Uh, but I like this basketball team. I think Phillips, uh, for the first time this season, looked like a freshman. But again, I think uh, in that um, in that display, uh, you can learn a lot, you can grow a lot because now he knows uh, he may not be the biggest dog in the yard. Uh, he knows he's going to have to do some things. Uh, I think, uh, like you said, uh, Olivier Kumwa, he's done uh, a lot of nice things coming back from the injury. Uh, I think he's finally getting back to uh, to his old form. Uh, I think uh, I, I'm probably as impressed with Mayshack as I am any of them because he can play the full uh, he can play the full court. I mean he he can go inside. He's got the physicality to do that, but he's also been able to step out and take a three. So uh, I like uh, I like the dynamics and the depth of this basketball team. I just think uh, I think they've got to grow up a little bit, and then I think ultimately. Uh, They've got to play a – I use this term off air in one of our text chats. They've got to play a brand of basketball that makes the officials call it. They're so clean on on the 
both ends of the floor that when a foul happens, it is it's it's blatantly obvious. Yeah, and I think what they need going into the holidays here, Wayne, is they need a healthy triple J. I mean, this is a guy who scored 16 points in round one against the Aggies, 17 against Longwood, and round two against Michigan, 13 points in the Sweet 16. This year, he's shooting 37% from three-point land. He's tied with McKimwa, believe it or not, for the lead. And from a defensive perspective, Wayne, you know, his, his offense is not what everybody talks about, but from a defensive perspective, 46 steals last season. He averages sub two per game. So this is a guy that when he gets on the court, he creates problems for the opponent and opportunities for our offense. I guess the big question, Ben, and again, closing out this topic, uh, basketball balls going into to Christmas and the New Year's. Are they ready for conference play? I believe they are. Um, Mississippi State and Ole Miss, uh, they on on paper are a better shooting basketball team from the field. However, the competition they have played has been subpar compared to the opponents that we've played, the Colorados, the Kansas, the Maryland's. Um, so I think when we get into conference play against these opponents, uh, we'll be ready. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I, I don't want to say that we're going to blow out conference play and go undefeated in the Southeastern Conference. I think in any sport nowadays, that's a that's a tall task. You, you just don't you don't get through the gauntlet that is the Southeastern Conference without a, a few little scars and and nicks and bruises. But I do think Tennessee is tough. I think that goes a long way in this conference because you have to be tough. I think Tennessee's deep. I think being able to play these non-conference games without Triple J have have made us learn who our not our sixth guy is, but who who eight and nine are. Uh, and I think with that, uh, that's gonna that's gonna help us down the road. So I do think they're ready for conference play. Uh, I I would not be shocked if Kermit Davis doesn't have a great game plan ready for us and we drop number one. But I also wouldn't be shocked if uh, you know Rick Barnes kind of challenges his guys and they uh, they roll out and, and thump the the uh, what are they now the Land Sharks the Brown Bears the the whatever Ole Miss is I wouldn't be surprised if we don't just thump them there on opening night. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about uh, National Signing Day. Uh, National Signing Day uh, twenty twenty three is here. Of course, uh, Tennessee right now uh, looking pretty. Uh, Looking pretty strong as uh, I think number nine midday is kind of where they're sitting. Uh, got a lot of commits come in. Nico, obviously, and a couple others have already been at bowl practice. So uh, not sure those are, are ones that we were uh, worried about. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I like where this team is. And in previous years, I'm like, oh, we got to be top five. We've got to be number one in the Southeastern Conference, which in a lot of ways is number one in the country. Uh, but you know, I, with this coaching staff and this style of offense, I put very little stock in national signing day rankings because they know what they need. They get what they need. And obviously in year two, he showed me he can do with what he has. Yeah. We've heard many times, you know, these four stars, these five stars, they don't pan out and they end up dropping their star ranking as they progress in their college career, you know, the Texas offensive tackle that we picked up, and I'm going to butcher his name here, but Andres Carrick, uh, he was a four-star coming out in the 2021 class, and then last year his star ranking dropped to three stars. So 
I'm like you. I don't put a lot of stock into the star ranking because all these kids are dominant football players in their respective area. When they go play SEC football, they're competing against dominant football players in their area. Well, and, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, addressing places of need, you know, offensive, defensive line, obviously some skill positions, obviously you got to continue in this offense to generate wide receivers because he, he showed in year two, he's going to create Bolitnikoff award winners and send kids to the NFL. So I think if you look at that, he's, he's addressed a few of those, the, the class started really early, the, 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 I guess the fax line opened at seven o'clock. It's crazy. We're at 2022 and we still fax these things in uh but defensive lineman caleb herring kind of got us off uh to a good start uh the next one trying to get it davin hobbs or davin hobbs uh he's a defensive lineman so quickly addressing uh that defensive front trying to find some pass rush uh he's from concord north carolina uh arian carter he's a linebacker from smyrna tennessee uh that's a that's a huge get especially in state one of the top uh prospects in the country uh nico not gonna try his last name here i need a phonetic before i'm gonna roll with that uh but nico uh, he he signed at 726 officially like i said been on campus at practice but he's from long beach california also uh, from my understanding a division one volleyball player uh at at his high school so he's a uh, he's big time athletic and so we'll uh, we'll see what's going on seen some really nice things from joe milton trying to bring him along pretty quick uh, there in bowl practice. Jack Luttrell, a uh, defensive back from Gainesville, Georgia. I thought there was only one uh, garbage pit of Gainesville, but I guess there's one in Georgia too. Uh, Trevor Duncan, uh, he's a defensive lineman from Knoxville. Uh, that's a nice pickup. Nathan Robinson, defensive lineman from Greenbrier, Tennessee. Uh, I think what I like about that is, one, we've seen uh, both, both lines, defensive, Rodney Garner, and then uh, – can't think of the offensive coach's name but both of those guys have been able to get out more than really what on paper guys can put out and I love getting these kids locally because I think their heart's in it to play for the Vols yeah what I like about a couple of those names you mentioned you can start to see the walls border up around the state of Tennessee that Arian Carter pickup typically central Tennessee when Alabama's involved that's a difficult pull for us in the past five years so for him to pass on Alabama, come to Tennessee, that's a huge pickup for us at linebacker, an area that we saw clearly in the South Carolina game that we need to have depth at linebacker. The edge rusher, uh, Caleb Herring from Riverdale, this is a guy six foot five, 206 pounds. I mean, how can you be so tall and not, not be pushing 250? This is a guy that can move, and he can move quick. And he passed on Notre Dame. So Notre Dame comes down, tries to get him. Texas A&M tries to pull him from Central Tennessee, and he stays home. Um, so what I like to see about this class is we're starting to not only see us get outside of the state and get some of those big recruits like Nico, but we're also closing down the borders. Sure, absolutely. Nathan Leacock, uh, he's a wide receiver from Raleigh, North Carolina. He, he This is all guys that, that signed and, and pushed it in before 8 o'clock. Uh, that's the first hour of commits. Uh, Cameron Selden, a wide receiver out of Brown Store, Virginia. Uh, he, he was the first 8 o'clock commitment. Uh, Chindavian Bradley, he's a defensive lineman uh, from Plate City, Missouri. Uh, so he's a, he's another big uh, that we needed up front. Aiden Bustle, uh, an offensive lineman from Mount Juliet, Tennessee. Uh, he was 819 signee. Tyree Weathersby, defensive lineman, Douglasville, Georgia. 
827. Larry Johnson, the third offensive lineman from Savannah, Georgia. Here's the thing. If we don't lock down borders, uh, dipping into Georgia has always been a, a, a big help for us. I mean, you look at it, uh, guys like Josh Dobbs, uh, you know, Train Davis, uh, he came from Georgia. I think Al Wilson came from Georgia. Uh, believe me, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina have been every bit of a, as impactful to Tennessee football as the state of Tennessee itself. I mean, I think it goes without saying, we have, we have come leaps and bounds over maybe the last 15 years, but athletically, uh, a lot of times Tennessee's had to go outside of the state to build a Division One program. And so that's uh, that's kind of good that we still have those end ties uh, to Georgia and their surrounding states. Uh, Vison Lang, have you seen this guy? He's an offensive lineman from Pike Road, Alabama, uh, dipped into the uh, to the Tide State or the, uh, the War Eagle State and took one away from him. Uh, Jalen Smith, a linebacker from Grayson, Georgia, uh, that rounds out the 8 o'clock commitments. And, uh, again, bigs, bigs, and more bigs are really trying to bring in some some beef, uh, especially when you play the brand of offense that we do. Uh, one, you need offensive linemen that can can go in and out and make that uh, transition. But, two, if it doesn't work out, you go three and out. You've got to have depth at defense to, to be able to stand up there, too. Yeah, I think with, you, you talked about it, Wayne, this offense. You're going to have – players like Nico, uh, you talked about Jack Luttrell, some of these guys, some of these skilled position players that are going to come here and play football because, you know, they're going to be on the ESPN market making making a run to get drafted in the NFL. It, it says a lot about this coaching staff when you get off, multiple offensive linemen to come play football here, multiple defensive linemen, uh, linebackers that are playing in this type of offensive system. It's because they believe in the coaching. Uh, I think that's a that's a great point. Nine o'clock gave us Jeremiah T. Lander, a linebacker out of Gainesville, Georgia. I would think maybe a, a teammate of one of the previous commits. Max Gilbert, uh, he's a place kicker from Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, but if I'm not mistaken, no, that was Charles Campbell. Uh, Charles Campbell is a transfer kicker uh, from Indiana, so got already has some uh, Power Five experience there. Uh, Shamarad. Yumarov, uh, an offensive lineman from Alpharetta, Georgia. That may be completely wrong, but the Alpharetta, Georgia is right. Uh, Christian Conyer, uh, defensive back, Bowling Green, Kentucky. Uh, Jordan Matthews, a defensive back, uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So right out of Tiger Country. And uh, I think if history says anything, if your name is Jordan Matthews, you're probably good at something. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, John Slaughter, uh, the name already wins. He's a defensive back from Clarksdale, Mississippi. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's related to Danico. Uh, it'd be hard pressed for me to think, uh, there's a, there's a whole lot of slaughter families out there, but, uh, as long as he does that on the field, I'll take it from wherever he comes from. Yeah. Uh, Ricky oh. Gibson, the third defensive back from Trussville, Alabama, uh, Charles Campbell, he's the transfer from Indiana, uh, but hometown Jackson, Tennessee. So uh, coming home to play for the Vols. And then McCollin Castles, he's a tight end from South Lake Tahoe, California. Uh, as you can tell, we've we've got a, a strong contingency from the southeast, but also dipped out west and, and got some good players. So uh, that won't be the end of, of the signing day today. But, uh, again, ninth 
in the country. I'm not sure where we're ranking right now in the Southeastern Conference, but I like what we're seeing. Uh, Tennessee, very relevant in the big names. I think getting a, a, a five-star quarterback, I think it's first time since the early 2000s. Uh, that's a huge get for Josh Heupel. One, because don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to take anything away from Hendon Hooker, Joe Milton, et cetera, et cetera. But when you get a five-star guy, there's, there's bust in anything. But when you get a five-star guy, the psychological development is advanced. And so what you can feed them early is advanced. And so what I like about Nico is because I don't think he starts as a freshman. I think, honestly, between Taven Jackson, Joe Milton, as long as those guys stay around, they're going to want Nico to put on about 15, 20 pounds. He's a pretty skinny dude. And so I think he's not going to start as a freshman, but he can take all the practice reps. He can take all the mental reps. And this could be a sophomore that's ready to ready to explode come uh, come 24. Yeah, this is a young man that uh, needs to take a year, learn from Joe Milton, uh, learn from other quarterbacks in the system, even Navy Shuler, and understand the game from the collegiate level. But year two, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm trying to see where we're uh, where we are looking, uh, and of course I pull up an article from uh, looks like um, somewhere in the ramific the relative nature of 2016. That's not where you want to look at an article, but it looks like Tennessee somewhere in that seven to nine based on uh, uh, you know your outlet as far as in the country, and that that's going to put us top five or six in the SEC. So. Uh, I think Tennessee's in a in a good place. Um, like I said, there's a there's a February signing day, so I think you kind of reevaluate uh, what you get signing wise, and then what you can get out of the portal. Uh, so I think uh, I think this is going to be just a fine class uh, that Josh Heupel can work year three into. In most polls, Tennessee is ahead of Clemson. That's something to be said about Josh Heupel in year two. Oh, I think absolutely, yeah, yeah. Especially lo- stacking that up with uh, probably some commits or some uh, some visits uh, that may be making their way to Miami with the Vols or the Tigers. So I think uh, I think that's a huge point. That's a that's a good call to make. Uh, the next thing uh, again we got to get to is bowl pickems. We're gonna pick uh, the games here uh, as we move through the rest of the uh, the the getting toward New Year's. We're gonna pick the twenty second. Uh, through the, uh, I think it's the 21st actually, uh, through the 28th. Uh, let's go, uh, let's go with some picks. Uh, let me get the first game up here. So Ben, you, you ready for Christmas, man? You you got everything you need. Everything. I have everything that I need except gifts for the wife. So I'm working on my wife right now. So you do not have everything you need because here's the thing. It can all be right. And if you miss that one, no pressure, buddy. But uh, that one can really derail you pretty quick. Uh, the first one tomorrow will be Baylor at Air Force Armed Forces Bowl. I said at Air Force on purpose because they're the armed forces in this game. So I, I feel like they should be the home team. Uh, Baylor uh, really made me mad. They're a four-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. But all I needed them to do was beat TCU, and they couldn't do it. So uh, I'm not a big fan there, but I do know Air Force is not – a, a super strong team. I think Baylor, just with the, the schedule they've played, honestly playing a TCU, uh, I think that's going to give them the favor. Give me Baylor in the air in the Armed Forces Bowl. Out the gate, we're going to disagree on this one, Wayne. I'm going with Air Force. Baylor is awful on third downs. Falcons have one of the top rushing programs in the country, 330.6 
yards rushing, lead the nation in time of possession. Brad Roberts, 1,612 yards rushing, 15 touchdowns. I'm taking Air Force. Yeah. Here's the thing. Somebody has to be wrong in that one. Just <laughs> let, the, let the fans uh, pick who they want to ride with. All I'm saying is, is, is Baylor has scored in the 20s or more in, I think, 11 of their 12 football games. So uh, just something to think about uh, how their defense may stack up or how Air Force's defense may not stack up is what I'm trying to say. Uh, the next ball game on the docket, uh, Louisiana and Houston in the Independence Bowl. Uh, Dana Holgerson's uh, Cougars are a seven-point favorite over Louisiana. Uh, Louisiana's really been reeling post uh, Billy Napier's exit to go to Florida. I, I don't think this one's as close as the line would recommend. I'm, I'm going to go with the Cougs uh, over Louisiana. Taking the Cougars as well, Clayton clean tune. 67.4 pass rating, over three, close to 4,000 yards and touchdowns, and 37 touchdowns. That raging Cajun defense is going to be stingy, but unable to stop tune. Uh, Wake Forest and Missouri are hit, hitting it up in the Gasparilla Bowl. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz's crew uh, is is a dog on the bowl game. Uh, a point and a half to Wake Forest. That is a Dave Clawson-led Wake Forest team, a uh, former offensive coordinator for the University of Tennessee. I This was probably one of the hardest picks of bowl season for me because I I blame a ton of the, the fall of Tennessee football on Dave Clawson. And really, his hire because I felt like we weren't we weren't ready for that, Dave. Uh, and if you look at his Wake Forest career, nobody, nowhere he's ever been was ready for it year one. And he had to come in, win, didn't do it. Long story short, I'm not mad, but I'm I'm I have a scar right here. But uh, but then Missouri hate Elijah Drinkwitz right now. Like he's a big mouth. I mean, he's he's probably an accountant at best. Uh, but he gets to be a power five football coach. Uh, he does just enough for probably Missouri not to fire him. I think they would have fired him by now if he was going to get fired, which, I mean, if you get blown out by Wake Forest, there's still a chance. But uh, I uh, I always want to say give me the SEC because in, in anything, when it gets sideways, we play tougher competition. But you know what? With Florida's – egg that they laid. They may have laid a whole dozen against Oregon State. I'm going with Wake Forest. Give me the Demon Deacons because they just they don't have as many problems as Missouri does. Give me the Demon Deacons. So like you, uh, I dislike both of these coaches. Um, but I'm going with the Demon Deacons. Uh, Sam Hartman, 3,421 yards passing. Mizzou lost to Kentucky and Florida this year. Um, that Dave Clawson offense is going to take over in this ballgame. Yeah, next one will be on the Christmas Eve, the only game on the docket on uh, Christmas Eve, Middle Tennessee uh, and San Diego State in the Hawaii Bowl. Like, literally, that's one of the top three. If you don't make the playoffs, I would want to go to. I would want to go to the Miami or the, the Bahama Bowl, the Hawaii Bowl, and maybe the Orange Bowl. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of cool with that. They're all beachy kind of bowl games. But uh, Middle Tennessee – a seven-point dog to San Diego State. Middle Tennessee, uh, where Jason Manneker is going to go to college, not play football, but the, the man-maker for the Red Rebels uh, is going to be a Blue Raider uh, for the next four to five years. I think he might eventually don that Blue Raider jersey, you. Yeah, you got you got somebody mowing out there? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just – it's. I got Aaron on the mower. 
Oh, well, hey, you got business to do. You're right here. But uh, Middle Tennessee, San Diego State. San Diego State, a seven-point favorite. I, I don't have a reason not to go with a team that's probably played. Uh, they're both seven and five. Uh, Middle Tennessee's third in their conference. San Diego State's third in their conference. So there wasn't a lot to uh, to really put a, a whole lot on. Uh, I even went, I, you know, when you have tiebreakers, you know, you have, okay, then it's like the last name of the coach's animal, and then it's like all these things. So I went to third down efficiency, okay? Uh, and I'm going to go with the team that's 133rd in the country, not the team that's 169th in the country. Give me Middle Tennessee. Give me the Blue Raiders. I went with a, with a, another stat, Wayne. Um, Aztecs allow 14 points, only allowed 14 points five times this year. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, San Diego State. I don't think the Blue Raiders can do much on the ground offensively, and uh, they can't keep that D out of the backfield. Here's another cool stat. Uh, now, San Diego State did have a lot of success, but they were 5-2 and two at home, only winning two games away from their home stadium. Middle Tennessee, they won the majority of their games on the road, 4-3 and three on the road, 3-2 and two in Murfreesboro. So uh, we'll see who's right. You probably will be. That's, uh, that's kind of the, uh, the, the swan song that I have. Uh, no Christmas Day games. Uh, then we jump to uh, the 26th. Uh, so the games there will be New Mexico State and Bowling Green in the Quick Lane Bowl. Uh, Bowling Green, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, New Mexico State, I really don't have anything on either one of these teams. Um, basically a pick em with Bowling Green getting the nod. Uh, both teams are 6-6. Six and six. Uh, what, what do you say? I'm going to let you pick first. So Bowling Green is 0-6 when giving up 38 or more points. And, of course, 6-0 and when fewer. Uh, the Aggies won't score that much. I'm picking Bowling Green. I'm going to pick Bowling Green as well, and mine is is going back to that road and away uh, record. They are evenly three and three at home, three and three on the road. So it doesn't matter where they play; they play the same brand of football. So I'm going to I'm going to go with Bowling Green as well. Uh, the 27th is going to have uh, a couple more games uh, on the docket. It's going to have Georgia Southern and Buffalo in the Camellia Bowl. It's a three and a half point nod to Georgia Southern. Uh, I really haven't heard anything from Buffalo since Turner Gill left. So uh, sure. that's how long it's been for me. Uh, what do you say? Six and six, both these both these clubs. Taking Georgia Southern. Buffalo will need to crank up the turnovers against Southern. Um, you know, the O-line for Southern will prevent those turnovers, and I, I, I predict Kyle Van Treese is going to have a big game. Well, I'm going to take Southern as well, and it, the reason is because they have a better offense and a better defense. Uh, you look at it, total yards uh, per game, uh, they're, they're, uh, they're not giving up. It's kind of a push there on total yardage, uh, but you look at the offense, uh, they're, they're averaging 473 yards of offense per game, uh, Buffalo only just, uh, just under 400. So uh, I think the margin there uh, will be in favor of Georgia Southern, and, and I think, honestly, it's a bigger game for them. I think it means more to them. They get another word uh, bigger than margin. No, margarine. I mean, isn't that a form of butter? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Memphis at Utah State or, or with Utah State in the first responders bowl. Uh, Memphis is seven and a half point favorite. Both teams six and six. Uh, it will be played in Dallas, Texas. Don't know that that means anything to you, uh, but it is closer to Memphis than it is Utah. Uh, 
I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with Memphis in this one. Uh, one because they uh, they average nearly a hundred more yards of offense uh, than uh, than uh, Utah State, and then their defense is allowing about thirty yards less uh, than Utah State. So I'm gonna go with Memphis in this one. So I'm gonna go with Utah State. Uh, they're getting a couple defensive backs. Uh, back for this ball game, AJ Carter and Michael Awainu. Uh, they'll they'll join Ike Larson, and you know I'm a defensive back guy, so they're going to be strong back there. I think Hennigan will have a late turnover. I think Cooper Legas will have a big game, but I, at the end of the day, I think Utah State wins with those turnovers. I hope people are writing this down because uh, I got a feeling I got some. I'll have some things I can talk about next week. Uh, you got the, this week, huh? The Battle of Carolinas in the Birmingham Bowl. So Alabama will host two Carolina teams, Coastal and East Carolina. The Chanticleers and the Pirates, a seven-and-a-half-point nod to East Carolina. I watched the uh, the Myrtle Beach Bowl, and it's at Coastal Carolina. That teal, turquoise, whatever color that is, turf, that's god-awful. Like, uh, <laughs> I'll be honest, I, I wouldn't put that on my back deck. I'll just say that. Uh, yeah. But uh, – both teams, Coastal's nine and three, East Carolina's seven and five, but Eastern or East Carolina's fifth in the AAC, uh, and Coastal is they won that side of their their conference. So I think it's a, a heavy favorite uh, to if you look on just bare bones paper, uh, it's probably a coastal deal. But I'll say this is an East Carolina offense uh, that I don't think you want to let get loose. I'm with you. I, I take East Carolina. I think there's two headlines in this ball game that are going to cause uh, some problems for Coastal Carolina. The first one's Grayson McCall enters the transfer portal. Uh, he's going to play in this game, but he's had an ang- a nagging ankle injury that, that he's played through all season. So I don't I don't expect him to play the entire ball game. And then they Ch- Coach Chadwell went to Liberty, um, so I think they're dealing a little bit with that. So I expect Ke- Keaton Mitchell to have a big game on the on the run. And Eastern Carolina wins this. Yeah, I'm going to go with East Carolina as well. Just uh, Jamie Chadwell was my my lone swing vote right there because when things get tight, because I think in in a game like this, uh, you know, some transfer portals, some opt outs, different things, you need a guy who when it's when it's third and maybe five. Well, and, and a lot of times that's a that's kind of easy going. Well, maybe Chadwell takes a chance and does something that, that wins a football game. I don't think they have that on the sideline, so give me East Carolina. Uh, the guaranteed rate bowl is Wisconsin and Oklahoma State. Uh, Wisconsin, the cheeseheads, taking on the mullet men of Oklahoma State. Uh, Three-point favorite to Wisconsin. It's a 10-15 p.m kickoff for this one i don't think either one of these teams are used to to keeping those pack 12 hours uh I, i'm uh, i'm a little intrigued by this one six and six wisconsin seven and five oklahoma state uh who you got i'm taking wisconsin both uh starting quarterbacks hit the portal will not play so you got backups on both sides of the ball uh wisconsin still has braylon allen he's 208 attempts rushing 11 26 yards and 10 touchdowns wisconsin wins you know, I'm, I'm going to look at uh, Wisconsin, and it's really not anything about the offensive side of the ball. It's about the defensive side of the ball. When you have a backup quarterback for Oklahoma State, uh, Wisconsin was 34th, 31st in the country, uh, only allowing 324 total yards of offense. To me, that was with starters uh, on those football teams. So you get a backup in there, they're going to try to get upfield as much as they can and probably wreak a little bit of havoc and 
again, one of the stats I like to use in bowl picks, Oklahoma State only won one game away from uh, – from, where's, their, where's their stadium at? It doesn't matter. They only, lo- they only won one game there. <laughs> Six and one at home, one and four on the road. So, uh, yeah, give me Wisconsin. Give me the cheese men right there. Uh, but then the last day of picks here, the 28th, we're starting to get into games that uh, – that have some meaning next week. You guys don't want to miss this show because we're, we're going to have different reasons, but maybe, maybe some better reasons. Cause we'll have more impact on the teams, UCF and Duke in the military bowl. Uh, Duke's a three point favorite over uh, Gus Malzahn's UCF team, 2 PM kickoff. Uh, both teams, UCF's nine and four Duke's eight and four. What about a quiet, great season for, for the blue devils. Uh, it's going to be at the Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. Great venue there. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pick. I forced you to pick uh, early in the last one. I'm a, I'm going to go with Dukey. I'm going to go with the Blue Devils. Uh, and it's really their offense is 69th in the country, 430 yards uh, of uh, of offense. Uh, it's really UCF has more offense, but I also look at who they've played, uh, how they how they've done that. But then defensively, it's almost a stalemate. Uh, looks like Duke is allowing 399 and a half, and UCF's allowing 395.2. So it's it's basically dead even defensively. I think competition, what you've played, and really people they don't go to Duke to get to the NFL. Let's just put it out there. Uh, so I like I like the Duke Blue Devils. I like that they understand the tradition that it is the military bowl, and I think they're going to get it done. If they still sold the TV guide and they mailed that to you, this is one that I'd take the I'd take that TV guide and I'd circle this ball game because this is going to be a coin toss. It was very difficult for me to pick. You got Reese Plumley versus Riley Leonard. Um, both both are equally strong quarterbacks. It's going to come down to whoever makes the fewest mistakes. Um, I think UCF is going to keep it close. I think Duke's going to play discipline, but at the end of the day, Gus Malzahn finds a way to win it in a close ball game. Yeah, I, I I think we're split there, man. We've split a lot today. That's good. That's good. Uh, that's good podcast. That's good radio. Uh, the next one is the uh, is December twenty eighth. It is uh, it, it is. I'm trying to get the name of the bowl. Look, you know it's a bad bowl when they take it off. It's the Liberty Bowl. It's out there in Memphis. It's Kansas and Arkansas. Probably distance or travel. Uh, not a big impact for either one of these teams. Uh, Lance Leupold, who's the head coach of Kansas, this is to put a cherry on the top of a beautiful cake that he's brought uh, to Kansas. Arkansas, Sam Pittman, he loses this football game. I think his seat is warm heading into 2023. So really a uh, a topsy-turvy game here for both teams for different reasons. Who you got? Well, I'm going to take Arkansas. Kansas hasn't performed on this stage since 2008. Uh, so KJ Jefferson's coming in, only four picks on the season. Um, this is a guy who went 17 for 22 against Ole Miss for, with three touchdowns in the regular season. So I think KJ Jefferson's going to have a big game, and Raheem Sanders is going to have a big game, and they'll handle Kansas. Yeah, I think uh, Kansas doesn't stop the run very well, and I think Sam Pittman plays a smash-mouth brand of football, so I'm going to go with the Razorbacks as well. And I think they're going to play. I think they love Sam Pittman. I think this season just got away from them a little bit, so I'm going to go with the Razorbacks as well. The Holiday Bowl is number 15, Oregon, taking on North Carolina. It's an 8 p.m. kick, uh, 14.5-point favorite for the Ducks. Widest margin that we've seen to this point in bowl season. 
Uh, I know Bo Nix is coming back. Bo Nix is an elusive player, but are they are they two plus touchdowns better than North Carolina? I don't think so, Wayne. I, I, I'm going to go with the uh, I'm going to go with the Ducks here. Um, UNC's defense will have Storm Duck back. However, a healthy D is still last in the ACC. Josh Downs is out for North Carolina. Bo Nix is in. Uh, going with the Ducks. You know, here's here's something to watch. I'm going to go with the Ducks as well, just because you can't. I mean, there's there's smart decisions, and then there's there's idiocy. And I, I feel like the taking North Carolina might be the opposite. But here's a a stat to watch: uh, North Carolina this season undefeated on the road, six and zero on the road, three and four in their home stadium. So they play better when the crowd's against them. So I think that's going to be the case there this uh, in this bowl game. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Ducks. Even maybe I, if I had the points to take, I would take the points in North Carolina, but just straight up give me give me Oregon to win. And then probably, uh, probably the most explosive game on the nightcap, Ole Miss and Texas Tech in the Texas Bowl. So you have a Texas team playing in the Texas Bowl and I'm going to be the silly one that takes Ole Miss. I, I think an eight and four Ole Miss team. I think there's still a lot to play for 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 Lane Kiffin's bunch. I think he's had a really nice signing day today. He's going to bring some more players in into the to the SIP as he calls it. Uh, and I think a seven and five Texas Tech team. They're here based on the conference they play in, not because of the the stout uh, play that they make. They've got a really good offense, uh, averaging nearly 500 uh, yards per game. But defensively, uh, they're they're giving up a good a bit plus four hundred. Uh, so I I don't like Texas Tech. I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say give me give me the Sharks, the Land Sharks, the Brown Bears, whatever they are. Give me Ole Miss. I'm taking Ole Miss as well. Heads are clear on Lane Kiffin and what his future will hold. Uh, but not only that, Tyree Wilson is an NFL pass rusher that that plays for the Red Raiders. And he is out. He has opted out. This is a guy who has 50 pressures and 32 hurries on the season. Uh, so with no pressure on Jackson Dart, uh, he's going to be comfortable back there, and it's going to cause problems for, for, for the Raiders. Well, uh, Ben, uh, that's that's been the the list of picks that we had this this week. We've got a we've got still got some great games in front of us. Um, next week, we'll we'll have the likes of the Cheez It Bowl, Oklahoma, Florida State. We'll have Tennessee's bowl game to pick next week, uh, and then ultimately uh, head to the college football playoff games. Uh, we will not pick the uh, championship game because we won't know who's playing in it at that point, but. Uh, we will get through the picks, but uh, but Ben, as we close out today's show, uh, real quick, we're we're kind of past our time. I I, I think maybe thirty minutes is aggressive. I, I don't know that we're ever going to hit that. But closing comments and this week's big time grind. What you got? So my grind is Vern Harris, John Higgins, and Tony Padilla in the basketball game against Arizona. At the end of the game, uh, you know, conversations at the at the water cooler or social media shouldn't be about officiating. Uh, they should be about the outcome, the efforts, the statistics of the game played, not who called it and how they called the game. We have to do a better, better job at officiating ball games. Uh, that's my grind for this week. Yeah, I'm I'm going to stay on the the kind of the similar path, but uh, different different take on it. And it's it's bowl game opt outs, and it's what about it's I understand it's the 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 closest I've ever been to being I don't know split decision. You know, I'm pretty you know, make the decision and go. That's, that's my, my take, but I go back and forth on these opt-outs. I completely understand the health piece. I, I completely understand you get injured in a bowl game that doesn't, 
doesn't matter, doesn't play for championships, and, and then you, you lose out an opportunity to go to the NFL. I understand that. But I also understand that with without reservation, this university, this, this fan base, this whatever, whoever we're talking to, uh, have invested, you know, two, three, four years in you uh, and, and have stood behind you. And all we want to do is see one more bowl game. We want to see one more run out there. We want to see one more great catch because you know what? If you go to a, a terrible NFL team, we're probably not going to get to see you. So uh, I think from a fan, I, I don't like it. I don't like opt-outs. I think there's something that has to be done. Meet in the middle, either pay these kids to play in the bowl game uh, there's, there's been, I, I don't know if you call it profit sharing or, or what you call it, but cut in some of the players to the, the bowl, I, I guess, money, the purse, if you will. Uh, I don't know what you have to do, but when you have kids and the Ohio state kid opted out of a college football playoff game, because he wants to go to the NFL, you've got, you've got to break down walls there. There's, there's something going on. So that's my, my big time grind. No, uh, no, pl- uh, trashing any one player, uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I don't. I don't like any of it. So it's Tennessee and all the rest of them too. So, uh, but I, I think that's uh, there's room for growth in the off season. I think you can say that each and every uh, year. But uh, as we get closer to a bigger playoff, I think this becomes a bigger issue because uh, you get people in a playoff that uh, that quite frankly that team's not the same team that that got in there. But uh, but Ben, another good show, buddy. I know uh, by the next time we've talked or next time we talk. I'm going to find out if uh, if you indeed did survive Christmas and, and got Aaron what she needs uh, and, or what she wants. I mean, sometimes that that need part around Christmas doesn't have to have to take a effect. But uh, but I'm ready. Um, both boys are taken care of. Uh, now they're working hard this week for Santa not to show up to the Kaiser house. But uh, we're we're getting there. Well, I'm, I hope Neilan and Jackson and Laura have a great Christmas and uh, yeah. Pray for me. Hope I survive it. I think you make good decisions in these bowl picks, so I wouldn't expect anything else in, in getting uh, a really good present for Miss Aaron. But uh, you know what? Uh, we've come to the end of the show. Uh, we're going to sign off here. You can check us out on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we don't have Instagram or any of those. So if you see a grind, that's not us. But Facebook and Twitter, YouTube's channel, uh, that's where this video will post. But if you just like the podcast, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast. And uh, working hard this week to get us on uh, some, uh, getting us on Spotify. But until next time, grind on.